What's up, beer drinkers? How y'all doing this week? You doing good? I've had a weird week. Um, this earlier this week, I was sick, and it's it was weird because I had a runny nose and some post nasal drip that turned into like a cough and a hack yeah, for for a few days. But the weird part was I felt like all achy. And, you know, like kind of tingly every once in a while, that sensation you have when you get a fever. But I had no fever. I was like, I have a thermometer and I was about to say temperature gauge. I have a thermometer and it kept reading 98.0. Now, I run a little low, like my average temperature is 97.7, hot 97.7 for those of you in the Bay Area. (laughs) Anyway, and so, yeah, so it was weird. And I was tired. And I was, and I showed all the signs of dehydration. Like, um, my lips were, were chapped. My hands were, uh, my skin was dry. Um, my urine was really dark and it was, it was weird. And the weirdest part was that I didn't have any beer. I didn't crave any beer. The last beer I've had before recording this show is, was Sunday. And so the other weird part for the week is uh, Sorcerer Chromatic was too busy. He had, he went to Vegas this past weekend, and then he has family coming into town uh, this weekend, this Easter weekend. So he and his family had to get ready. His his daughters got sick too, and so he we just couldn't uh, synchronize our schedule. So he could not record this week. So, but that's fine. Um, you know these things happen. No biggie. He'll be back next week. And he'll be enjoying some beers and uh, making me laugh, <laughs> which is one of the highlights of my week. Um, but anyway, um, we have a, we got a, a still a good show for you this week. Um, I'm going to read some, some <laughs> I was about to say emails, but I guess it's not emails. I'm going to read some Instagram posts and uh, answer. And I don't think... Uh, and I don't think anyone's gonna like my answer, but but I love it. I love my answer, so um, just deal with it, people. And also, we have some. I have a delicious beer. I'm about to open up by our good friends over in Scottsdale, Arizona. But uh, also, we have the incomparable Professor Bierkowski. Now we recorded this on Sunday, and I was gonna put it out, uh, you know, in a couple weeks, but I need. I need to fill the show out. So, hey, you're getting it a week early. So, lucky you. So, she has a history lesson about sours of all beers. And we go into it a little bit about sours afterwards and our own personal feelings of sour beers. All right. So, uh, let's get to the beer, shall I? Sure. And as some of you might have guessed by listening to the sweet sounds of the Green Hills of Tyrol, a.k.a. the Roddy Roddy Piper theme song, I have a Scottish-style ale. Now, this one is by our friends over in Scottsdale, Arizona. Goldwater Brewing. They're right there in downtown. They also have a spot out there in Longbow. I think it's in Mesa. (laughs) <laughs> you guys are going to roll me for that, aren't you? Um, anyway, this came out in like, I think, October 2018. This is their Scotch Barrel Age McClellan Wee Heavy. 
conditioned on Scotch barrel aged Germans Costa Rican coffee with toasted coconut. Um, the thing about this beer is, besides being barrel aged for 14 months on Scotch barrels, but they came out with this one and the bourbon barrel aged version. So this one's got the white label with the gold and black writing and the other version the bourbon barrel aged version mcclellan we heavy was in a black label with i think white and gold writing and back in the day when <laughs> sorcerer chromatic and i used to send each other beer more often um i asked him which one he wanted he wanted the bourbon barrel age and i could have choked him through the phone at that point because i wanted that one but i was being very generous so i gave him that one i kept the scotch barrel age so this has been in my a possession i think in my fridge actually i've kept it in my fridge since october 2018 it's 10.5 percent alcohol by volume and i read off the can for this one we teamed up with jarman's craft coffee company and aged costa rican coffee beans in the same scotch barrel that we aged are we heavy in the two were blended each together after aging to create a unique barrel age experience then we added toasted coconut so yeah that's pretty much all i have on this beer so without further ado yeah now through the magic of editing and i have poured and took a first sip of this it pours a kind of a reddish black a reddish brown like a really dark, like a ruddy brown color very thick mouthfeel no head whatsoever there's like maybe some micro bubbles lining the rim uh where the beer uh ends and the rim starts anyway um yeah super smooth like being uh we heavy and that's eh, only 10.5 percent you know so it's not a big you know 14 percent or anything but it still has um a nice little alcohol um warmth to it but it's not a stinging warmth and very smooth uh tons of malt tons of toffee um some coffee flavors in there a little bit and uh very rich very good beer um i will rate this later on untapped later on in the show but now it's time for the beer news All right, so let's get into this Arizona Wilderness Brewing um, incident flare-up. Not sure exactly what to call it, but so let's go back. Let's go back to when I first moved here and eh, maybe about a year in and Irene's Taproom opened up in Phoenix, Arizona, off of Northern over there. And I got to, I, I remember them posting on, I think I, we were still on Facebook at the time and uh i was i was excited you know new tap room i'm like oh okay let me go in and, and check out this place because i think before then I'd, I'd go to wandering tortoise and it was like half of what it is right now um but i used to like it because it was it'll be open late you know breweries close like around nine or ten usually even the beer bars would close around 10 o'clock but um this was new because it was a beer bar but it was still kind of far though but anyway and I wanted to get in on the ground floor. I wanted to, you know, uh, patronize uh, local. And got in. I, I got to know the owners, uh, Bonnie Jackson and her partner. And 
she after a few months uh, she said hey we're gonna have a fundraiser that was that was her big plan she wanted like concerts and and fundraisers and do all sorts of um benefits for the community in her tap room and so she's like you got to come it's like 30 35 dollars to get in it's for a good cause uh and then she explained that it was for a work a, a brewer in the or i don't know if it was a brewer or just someone in the industry who got hurt and had medical bills and they were doing a fundraiser for her i'm like sure okay i'll go so um i went um i saw to my knowledge i didn't know anybody there but bonnie was very nice and she's like oh this is this person and that's that person i couldn't even tell you who was there but there was a lot of people from the arizona beer community there i remember i met i sat at the bar and ended up sitting next to the owner of oral brewing so i met him um the owner uh cider core was right next to him so i met him real quick um he was on the other side so i didn't really talk but i i conversed with the owner of oral brewing and uh uh, I ended up finding out that it was for this woman named Aaron Dubel because the benefit was called Pints for Dubel and they had hats and I think they had koozies and anyway so um, she got up there and she said hi to everybody and, and thanked everyone for coming out and I ended up getting to meet Aaron and her wife in fact her and I her, her wife and I talked more than, than I talked with Aaron it's just uh, you know circumstances everyone was you know pulling on Aaron's arm the whole night or the whole evening i forgot the afternoon evening but nevertheless um that was when i first met aaron and i followed her on instagram for a while and then i realized um you know she doesn't post anything about beer and i started getting to this phase i don't know maybe about 2018 2019 i'm like you know what if someone doesn't post a lot about beer, then maybe I shouldn't be following because it's a beer podcast. Uh, my Insta our Instagram is a beer Instagram. And it was kind of like, you know, she was posting pictures with her and her wife going on vacation. Then they eventually had a kid and then uh, pictures with their kid. I'm like, you know, I'm kind of I felt kind of weird. Um, it's like I'm kind of uh, snooping in on her life. And I'm like, you know what? You know, it's, she doesn't want to be in the beer industry anymore. She doesn't want to be about anything about beer. Fine. Cool. I'll leave her alone. So I unfollowed and then and concurrently I started um, making friends and and meeting people and they've now I'm sort of kind of I wouldn't say famous at all. I think some people knew that I had a beer podcast and I had a few people in the Arizona beer community on the show and I ran across um, this woman named Kaylee Snyder and she had a blog called Hold My Beer Blog. And she started talking about her her uh, life in the beer or her her history in the Arizona beer community. And she started telling these stories about her past and some traumatic events. And I asked her if she wanted to come on the show. And so she did. And we talked a little bit, but she didn't really um, she didn't really open up. She just wasn't ready. But I did ask her about the blog and, and she um, was very generous with her time. And I really liked her and um, thought she was a very nice person. So, you know, over the you know next couple of years, you know, we kept in touch on Instagram and stuff like that. And then I saw her uh, post something that was very specific. And I think she was ready to tell her story. So I invited her to come on the show. If she's ready to tell her story, you know, I wanted to give her, amplify her voice and be um, someone she could, or, you know, 
let her use my platform to tell her story 100%. And that was in December of 2019. And um, yeah, I was kind of, you know, I was, I was tired of hearing like during, you know, my time here, I started making friends and started, like I said, and started learn started learning more about the Arizona beer community. And I started hearing these, you know, traumatic stories. I'm like, what, what, you know, this should not be happening. And, um, I think if, you know, these people are ready, it's not just women too, but you know, people of color, um, just not the, uh, um, minorities, um, and the minority factions and the marginalized. That's, that's I think that's a better way to put it. The mar marginalized, um, factions of the Arizona beer community had a bunch of stories and, um, she was willing to come on and she came on and told her story and i got a lot of feedback from that both positive and negative um i it was uh she was telling um her time at mother road and i uh one of the feedback that i got was i never got mother road story and so that was kind of like one-sided it was almost like an attack on mother road without letting them and i was like you know and I realize that now maybe I should have reached out to Mother Road, um, but I, you know, it's kind of past that, but like uh, two and a half years later. And then she was, um, she was served a lawsuit and then she kind of just uh, stopped talking about it. Um, I think maybe there was, I don't think there was an NDA clause. I think she, she just didn't want, she was done. She was just done. That's basically it. I still keep tabs with her. She's uh, um, very sweet, very nice, very uh, caring. And she just wants to move on with her life now. So I'll let that be. And then uh, I and then the uh, rat magnet revelations came out. The, for those of you who don't know, um, this woman, Brienne Allen, who works at Notch Brewing, she reached out to the Instagram community and asked uh, people if they wanted to share their stories of uh, traumatic events that happened to them in the beer industry. And that kind of started like a little revolution. And, um, eventually there was an Instagram account open up called women of the Bevolution. I believe that's where the story was told about Arizona wilderness. And that was back in October of 2021. If you go to my Instagram page, the cold brew Instagram page, October 12th, 2021, somebody sent me through Instagram DMS, uh, screenshots of the, um, Arizona or the women of evolution story page. And so they sent me the screenshots and said, thought you might be interested in this. And so I got it and I put it out there and I, uh, I learned then, I think, uh, in the stories, uh, it came out that Aaron Dubel was one of the authors of one or two of the stories that were shared there. And I was like, Whoa, okay. Um, I guess she's not over it. Maybe this is something there, uh, but nothing ever happened to that. So I'm like, oh, okay. I guess uh, nobody really cares then. And then, uh, what? Um, in March, uh, at the end of, uh, towards the end of March, um, someone on Instagram DM me, and I, I say someone. I know who these people are. They know who they are. But I choose to, um, I choose to keep their anonymity uh, for their. Uh, I want to say safety, but just so. You know, I get a lot of people telling me stuff and sending me things and I don't want to betray their trust because then they'll stop telling me stuff and sending me things. And um, so I and I don't want to betray their, uh, their yeah, their trust. 
And so I'm going to keep saying someone. I'm going to keep their anonymity. So if anyone ever wants to share anything with me and they're afraid of um, some blowback or, or retaliation, they don't have to worry about that through me. I'll take all I'll take all the smoke for them. And so someone sent me this. Um, someone pointed out that Arizona Wilderness was doing a lot of stuff for Women's Month. And I thought that was great. And but they had yet to, um, I guess. It seemed like from Aaron's uh, stories on the women of Bevolution, or I, I keep messing that up. Uh, anyway, the for the Instagram stories that were posted that I posted, um, it seemed like uh, she um, she said that, or someone said that. Man, I, I'm really tripping over my words because I didn't write this down. I'm just going off the top of my head. Uh, it seems like it, there was no closure and it didn't sit well with uh multiple women in the arizona uh, beer community let me put it that way because after i um posed the question if they would want to come on if arizona wilderness would want to come on and talk about it um about one particular woman in their past then you know uh, my my doors open my my dms are open my emails open coldbrewpodcast at gmail.com it's still open if they want to come but i i doubt it because i I know that uh, Joe Lopez, the guy who, uh, the guy who, well, he, the, the, one of the partners that, uh, through the Copper State Beer Festival, he and his partner Long are the ones who put it on, but he said he wanted, uh, he would like to have Arizona Wilderness, uh, come on the show because I had a booth there and record something, um, with, uh, actually Rachel Bierkowski. He asked her if she wanted to come on and, and talk about, um, you know the women um women in the arizona beer community and i thought it was a great idea i mean i love it um i i did not want to cancel arizona wilderness but i would have liked them to you know take some responsibility or talk about um how they are enacting change and all that stuff because right after i posted those stories i forwarded it to their their hr person um that uh started and she, he I, I think it was a she because uh they had a podcast recently and her name's joanna and she responded that she did read them and she'll take you know she if she's taking everything into consideration while she's formulating a uh a culture change over there at arizona wilderness anyway so that didn't happen that didn't go through and i even said you know they you had a you know we wanted you to get i wanted you to have you I, I'm paraphrasing now because I can go back to the Instagram, but um, wanted to have you didn't have you say you declined, which you know is there every right to, but um, and so you know I'm, I'm ready now if you if you want to do it, but I got nothing, heard crickets, so then I put out another meme <laughs> with a bunch of skeletons trying to come out of the closet, and uh, and then I I think I put the the door at Arizona Wilderness that no one's allowed to open, and I thought it was funny. Um, I got some positive feedback from that well positive I, I had some people who loved it or laughed at it and and some of the women in the craft beer community um said so they haven't responded yet and i said nope not to my knowledge anyway so then after that i had someone in the beer community send me a link to a podcast that uh it was called uh culture crush and they're based here in arizona and they had Arizona Wilderness on there. Now, on Culture Crush, what they do is they have they invite businesses to come on, 
And if they want to have a cultural, organizational, cultural change, then they link them up with uh, um, people who can help them with that change. Um, but in this case, Arizona Wilderness, they already had uh, hired an HR person. And so they had the two owners and uh, the HR person on and they talked about beer and I knew I was going to have to listen. And I, I had some, you know, I had some follow up questions for some of them. Um, now, I'll give you a little bit of my background. I do have an MBA, which is a Master of Business Administration. <laughs> business. Um, and so I do have some business knowledge. I'm aware of organizational culture. I'm aware of human resources and um, all that goes into that because one of my classes was human resources. And so I sat there, I listened, I, I, I did have questions from them or for them. And I had some follow-ups that I wanted to do. I thought uh, the host did a fine job. She, I, she just didn't know of the of the past, um, but they it kind of alluded to the fact that they needed to change. And now, my feelings of Arizona Brewing Company have changed. Um, they've gone up and down, you know, left and right, whatever you want to call it. Since I moved to the valley, I knew that they were one of the big players in town. I knew that they had. Um, done some uh, international beer festivals and they were very uh, pro um, e uh, uh, pro ecology but they were they're environmentally friendly and they also promote local um, agriculture you know as far as the barley and the hops and um, local fruit native fruit native to Arizona and I, I, I love all that um, they do a lot of uh, wild ales and sours and spontaneous fermentation stuff not a big fan um of that but this doesn't mean that there i i think there is room for every type of beer and brewery um in every region especially uh, like wild ales because you know that every single region has their own um microflora and that can impart a different taste to beer so i dig all that and then listening to that culture crush podcast um, I started, you know, I started believing that these people, uh, these two guys and this woman were actually doing a good job of changing the culture at Arizona Wilderness. Um, I, I believe their head's in the right place now. Maybe it wasn't in the past, but it seems like they're, 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 they got, they got all their rowers going in the right direction now. And so because of that, I was like, ah, oh, man. I still want them on the show. I'm not, I wasn't going to, um, I'm not going to, what I decided was that I just didn't feel like maybe, um, maybe I shouldn't really be, uh, memeing at the, or asking them. Cause at the same time too, I felt like if I kept, uh, you know, uh, asking them to come on the show over and over again, then, uh, you know, you guys, you know, the listeners, um, my followers on Instagram, uh, you know, people just get tired of it. It's like, dude, don't you know any other tunes? It's like a band that only plays one song. It's like, oh yeah, I love that song. And then by the end, you're like, fuck, I hate this song. <laughs> tired of it. So, uh, yeah. So I decided, you know what? Um, maybe this is a, maybe, maybe the windows is not there anymore. Now I would have liked them to say something, you know, um, coming from a journalistic, which I have no background in, but from a journalistic point of view, they could have just said no comment and no comment mean you know 
Mokame is accepted and you know if you ever read articles you know they, they always uh, point out that the other party does not want to comment or no comment at this time or I guess they, they also said uh, these people can't be reached or you know we, we try to reach out to them but they they didn't answer so I took that as like ah oh, you know what maybe the, you know that's 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 it maybe they don't want to come on and I didn't hear anything from Aaron I tagged her in a couple of my posts um, or I sent them to her anyway, I forwarded them to her and she never replied through Instagram. So, uh, you know, maybe I'm, um, beating a dead horse here, but, <laughs> but then I see in my messages, um, I was added, you know, at id, um, on a Arizona and Arizona wilderness post that I had commented on asking if they wanted to come on the show and it said nothing. You could just start with addressing one of these and we can go from there. I don't want to overwhelm you. Your choice. One, two, or three using the, the, the first, second, and third place medals emojis. And I would have responded to your post calling out Arizona Wilderness that claims you wanted to promote discussion, but you turned off comments after I called you out. Am I the only one who sees the glowing hypocrisy here? Add that one to the growing list. Uh, hashtag the truth is stranger than fiction. And I'm like, wait, what, where did this come from? Like, what, <laughs> uh, what, what does this person, uh, want? And why, uh, did they say nothing? And you could start with, I'm like, I don't remember ever anyone, um, uh, messaging me before. I'm like, wait, what's good? <laughs> I, I was confused. And then, so I go to the post and I see that, um, this person also actually, uh, said, See, where is it here? Oh, here we go. Uh, the previous reply to my comment was, um, before I get started, let's clarify this point. The cause that you are supporting, uh, in quotes, is a great cause and I'm all for it. But you are not helping. In fact, you are hurting it and I'll explain why. And then the number one, the gold uh, medal emoji you are self-admitted amateur you have said countless times that your podcast is just for fun just a hobby yet you demand to be treated like a professional despite an amateur comment at copper state beer fest uh number two you have spoken to the person you are referring to or have you spoken to the person you are referring to in this particular situation i'd be willing to bet they would not be happy with your careless shotgun blast approach but i'm sure you didn't reach out because this seems all about you Remember in a previous episode, you said you were bummed that Rat Magnet was the one who exposed all the stuff because you wanted to be that person? Exhibit A of why it's clear that it's all about you and not the cause. Not sure if that was the same episode you said MLK Day was not a real or is not a real holiday because you have to work on that day. But anywho, that's that's what it said in the post. That's not, <laughs> I'm not saying but anywho. And then three, I was surprised to see a pic of you at a Phoenix Beer Festival recently. With the backstage pass from the at AZ Craft Brewers Guild. Based on what you've said in multiple previous episodes and all the stuff you say about them in your posts and comments, I thought you had some major problems with them, but not big enough of a problem that keeps you from accepting free stuff from them. Seems like a very shallow, hypocritical move. Now, and that was the end of post. Um, very good. I... I I know some uh, people in the Arizona beer industry or beer community that um, uh, asked me like uh, <laughs> when when I put on my stories like oh look I got, I got called out 
And everyone, well, everyone, every, well, everyone who replied said, who is this? And I go, I have no idea. And are you going to answer? I go, yeah, yeah, I'm going to answer. Um, I don't want to disregard uh, anybody. I don't want to be ignored. Um, like Arizona Wilderness Brewing ignored me. I don't think that's uh, the right the right um, way to go. But let me get back to Arizona Wilderness Beer Community or Beer Brewing Company really quick because uh, using my my you know my what somewhat limited knowledge of um, HR, I know when when I took my HR class, it was a lot about laws. Um, a lot of it was about laws, labor laws. Um, you know, like the, uh, um, the child labor act and, um, even the, uh, the, the civil rights act, there was a lot of it in there. There was a lot of laws you had to really, really learn about. And, and not only that, but, uh, HRO has, has to do with not just laws, but also, um, culture. And there's a lot of different stuff. And it got me thinking that, you know, Arizona brewing, um, has, uh, the, the HR rep now. And she could advise them, you know, you don't have to say anything. Um, if anything, you know, if, if you admit any guilt, maybe it opens a door or something. So I get it. They could have just said no comment, you know, or, or we refuse to answer that. Or our lawyers uh, told us not to say anything, something something to that. So I get it. They don't want to um, incriminate themselves, even though it may have happened. Um, they don't want to incriminate themselves. So I, I understand all that. Um, but getting back to um, responding to, but you know, I, I, I just didn't like being ignored. I think that's why I, I why I, I went with that uh, meme. It was supposed to be funny. It was supposed to be a joke. But I always like I always say um, to anyone, and especially my daughter, if you have to explain a joke, it's not funny. So if not anyone got it, so some people got it though. Some people got the joke. Some people didn't get the joke. So maybe it wasn't as funny as I thought it was. Or as, you know, universally funny as I thought it was. Alright, so getting back to my answer to these questions. Um, all I have to say is, no comment. Alright, so moving on to the next portion of the show. We have Professor Bierkowski teaching us all about sours. Inspiration for this segment came from the Arizona Strong Beer Festival. That and me trying to grow into a better beer consumer. If any of you know me fairly well, you know that the only style of beer I am not a fan of is sours. And that is any form of sour, whether it be Belgian, German, or American. My palate is just simply not a fan. So at Arizona Strong Beer Festival back in February, my strategy for approaching beer tents was not to try what I was interested in, but to have the beer slinger pour me what they thought was best. In doing this, I ended up sampling many, many sours. It seems like sours are gaining speed on the popularity train, much like hazy IPAs did seven to ten-ish years ago. In fact, a brewer told me very recently that IPAs, sours, and stouts are the American beers that will never lose popularity. So today, I'm going to talk a little bit about sours. 
Beer has been brewed for thousands of years, and for the majority of this time, it has been produced using mixed culture fermentation via a complex spectrum of microflora, not just brewing yeast. Flavors would vary depending on the local environment's yeast population. It is only the last 500 to 600 years that hops have been used as the widespread and dominating flavoring agent in beer. In more recent history, the pioneering work of scientists such as Pasteur and Hansen saw the development of sterile culturing techniques and the isolation and purification of single-cell cultures. This, coupled with technological developments in the mid-late Victorian period, saw a move away from mixed cultures and the rise of pure culture fermentations and greater consistency in beer, which still dominates the global landscape. Single-strain yeast beers gave uniformity and prevented them from turning sour with age, but it also stripped those beers of the complexity that comes from mixed culture fermentation. The British were the first to recognize that single-strain yeasts created beers that did not develop with age, as their stock ales had before. Single-strain yeasts produce many of our favorite craft beers today. All of our classic ales and lagers are made using these strains. Their domestication allows brewers to dial in everything from hot-forward IPAs to crisp, clean pilsners. However, pockets of unique and iconic beers using mixed flora fermentation remained popular in Europe. It is these beers that we look to for the world's best examples of sour beer. They create the standards. So what are these pinnacles of sour beer? We can start in Belgium with styles such as Lambic, Flanders Red, Goes, and Eau Brune, and in Germany, Berliner Weiss and Gosa and also in the UK with old ales. There are also other styles that are acceptable to be a bit sour, such as saisons or farmhouse ales, or any other wild fermented beers. Fast forward to modern day, and we are now seeing an explosion in the popularity of sours, nothing short of a renaissance. This, like most phenomenon in the modern craft beer movement, is being fueled and influenced by the United States. Throughout beer's history, sour ales have been made by exposing wort, aka unfermented beer, to wild yeast and microflora. This process differs from that used to make non-sour beers because it yields uncontrollable results. The profiles of the resulting brews vary widely, but most of them have a tart acidic flavor, like biting into raspberries soaked in champagne. American sours fall under the sour ale umbrella, with the differentiating factor being that they are made in America. That might sound flippant, but when it comes to yeast and bacteria, it's a pretty big deal. Unlike American pale ales or other beer styles that traditionally use stable yeast strains, the same sour ale made in America and the same sour ale made in Belgium will taste completely different, simply because they use different microflora. The souring agent in many modern lambics, and Belgian beers in general, is usually Bretomyces, a yeast that imparts an unmistakable barnyard quality. Nowadays, many brewers add it or encourage its growth on purpose, but there are other sour beers with different origins and with quite different flavors. So let's talk a little bit about what makes these different sour styles unique. 
Lambics and also fruited lambics, such as frambois, are spontaneously fermented wild ales from the area in and around Brussels. They are a fairly sour, often moderately funky, wild Belgian wheat beer, with sourness taking the place of hop bitterness in the balance. They are traditionally served uncarbonated and as a cafe drink. This style stems from farmhouse brewing traditions several centuries old. In fruited lambics, fruit is added before fermentation to allow for the wild yeast living on the skins of the fruit to add wholly unique flavors. Alongside lambics are gouze, which is typically made from a blend of one, two, and three-year-old lambic beers, carbonated and conditioned in the bottle. These beers portray light wheat and malt flavors, a balanced acidity, and a breadth of complex fermentation characteristics, ranging from earthy and hay-like to decadent flavors such as fruit, cheese, or chocolate. Flanders Red and Ode Bruin, otherwise known as Flanders Brown Ale, are indigenous beers of the Flanders region, but Red is identified with West Flanders and Ode Bruin is identified with East Flanders. Belgian brewers consider the Flanders Red and Ode Bruin to be in the same style family, but the distinction between the two was first made when Michael Jackson first defined beer styles since their flavor profiles are distinctly different. Ode Brune has a deeper malt character with more caramel, toffee, and chocolate flavors, and darker color in comparison to Flanders Red, which displays toasty malt flavors and fruit complexity with a dry tannin-like finish like old red wine. Ode Brune is less acidic and maltier than a Flanders Red, and the fruity flavors are more malt-oriented. In modern times, Ode Brune also tends to be higher in alcohol than Flanders Red, and both of these beers differ from Lambics in that they are not spontaneously fermented, and they don't contain wheat. Like its tart Belgian cousins, German Goza was probably first produced using spontaneous fermentation, and the salty character may have arisen from salty springs that provided early brewers their water. Later, lactic acid added the sour kick, and salt and coriander were added to the wheat and barley before fermentation. Traditionally, Goza was fermented in barrels and then moved to a distinctive long neck bottle for secondary fermentation. It is a style associated with Leipzig, but originating in the Middle Ages in the town of Goslar on the Goza River. It was documented to have been a popular beer in Leipzig by 1740. Leipzig was also said to have 80 Goza houses in 1900. Production declined significantly after World War II and ceased entirely in 1966. Modern production was revived in the 80s in Germany, but the beer was not widely available. It became popular outside of Germany recently as a revival style and is often used as a base style for fruited sour beers or other specialty type beers. While lacking the round saltiness of Goza, Berliner Weiss is a regional specialty of Berlin. It is a refreshing, low-alcoholic wheat beer with a clean lactic sourness and a very high carbonation level. It displays a light bread dough malt flavor that supports the sourness, which should not seem artificial. This effervescent pale yellow beer typically has such a sour taste that it is offset or can be offset by adding fruit syrups. 
While it usually comes by its sourness via lactic acid, it's also possible that there is just a hint of Brettomyces in some varieties. This beer was referred to by Napoleon's troops in 1809 as the Champagne of the North due to its lively and elegant character. It is increasingly rare in Germany, but it is now produced in several other countries. Of all of these beers, it is the German sours that have inspired the American beer scene the most. It is not uncommon to see a Goza or Berliner Weiss in the shelf at your local bottle shop. In 2002, sours first entered the Great American Beer Festival as a standalone category with only a handful of entries. But since then, great expansion in popularity in sour beers now elicits hundreds of entries. American brewers pay homage to these styles and create their own interpretations of them. But also, per the American way, some brewers took the style to a whole new stratosphere with things like the smoothie, fruited Berliner Weiss made popular by breweries such as Drecker and 450 North. While this particular style is not honored by the Great American Beer Festival or the BJCP, it is certainly one of the most sought-after beer styles in America currently. We are witnessing history being made today by getting to see the growing popularity and experimentation of sour beers here in America. So, Greg, let's talk about sour beers. Let's. Let's. What, what, what do you think about said style? Um, let me tell you a little story back when I was still living in, San, in Santa Clara. Mm-hmm. I went to a beer bar. It was actually... It was actually like a German um, ah, Hofbra. Okay. It was, uh, but they had a really good craft beer selection because the, the manager loved craft beer and he, he always, so it was a really good spot to go mm-hmm. and just sit at the bar. You didn't have to get any food and just have craft beer. Yeah. And so I remember first hearing about Berliner Weiss and they had one on tap, but it was just straight like you described. It was pale yellow mm-hmm. it was effervescent it was but i also read that traditionally you're supposed to make syrup so i had them they didn't have any syrup the closest thing they had was grenadine <laughs> okay so I, I had them put a shot of grenadine uh-huh. in the berliner vice and uh-huh. it was a unique experience I yeah liked it. it was really good you know and now today brewers are putting few fr- fruit puree yeah but before the fermentation right um or no after is it after you know what i've never i don't know because i know they don't been know doing the i know there's secondary fermentation going on in the cans in the cans yes that's why you see all those exploded cans on instagram and yes. stuff like that um but uh having said that i i can't drink too much of them the 16 ounce is way too much my stomach starts hurting mm-hmm. i can only have one like per sitting yeah <laughs> and I, I get I get the style. There's some really good flavors in there as far as fu- fruit goes, but it's a smoothie. It's it's doesn't it doesn't feel like a beer. You need and you need yeah. like a few of them to even get a catch a buzz off one. And, <laughs> yeah, and it's fun. It's refreshing. I get it, but I can't buy a four pack of them. There's mm-hmm. no way. What about uh, the non uh, smoothie sours? What about like? Uh, a Flanders Red. I remember or, the, the first Flanders. I think it was, what was that? Uh, There's like a famous brand that's around. It's the been Duchess. Around for, I, no, it might, it might be that. But it's a red, it was a Red Flanders Ale. And it was, again, at the Hofbrauhaus that I had Oh, it. okay. And 
man, that one kicked me back. I couldn't <laughs> believe how sour it was. <laughs> it was a, yeah, it was, it was a 16 ounce pour. It was a pint pour. Wow. And so it, yeah, it took me a while to get my palate to get used to it. Yeah. Um, but I haven't really had one since then. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I had no idea the old Bruin was like related to that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've had like a, a splash of those. Uh, as far as sours goes, not my first pick. Yeah. Um, you you hinted at saisons because those kind can, can kind of be sour. I've been getting into saisons lately, so nice. Maybe one of these days I'll start getting into the the more traditional. I know lambics people love the like cantillon and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. just I can't. I I don't know if I'd be able to participate in Zwanze Day yet, <laughs> just, just yet. <laughs> yeah, I would be thrilled to try one. Yeah, I wouldn't buy a whole bottle though. I just want a, a sip of somebody's. Yeah, sure, with friends. <laughs> have you had Kention or? I have not any of those uh, famous Belgian sours, lambics. No, I've had like Lindemann's fam- Frambois. I I mean, okay, that yes, definitely, I've had that. Yeah. Um, but that's so different, I think, from what you'd get in Belgium. It's just, it's so, so, so sweet. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's hard It's hard to get through, like you said. But, um, yeah, dessert for sure. And, like, eight ounces, and that's, that's good for me. Yeah, that's good enough. <laughs> that's good for me. But people seem to, you, do you think people like, I know you, you pour over at Bonehouse. You guys have a... No. Any sours on tap? We do not have the uh, handle or the brewery space to do something that is a mixed culture fermentation. We can't. Uh, you would think out there in the hills, though, you guys might have some crazy yeast flying around. May, yeah, I mean, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Go dig around in the desert and just collect the stuff from the air and bring it in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, uh, when we expand, we will. But right now, we don't have the space. Gotcha. Yeah. And. What do you, what do you see as the, the, the reason for the popularity of the, you know, so what I have observed mm-hmm. being behind the bar is, and talking with people that really aren't a fan of sours that have a palate for beer. I feel like, okay, so obviously sours are beer, but it's, it's a completely different experience like the the flavor is completely different like yeah you can get some of the maltiness in there a little bit but that sour thing is so dominating Mm -hmm. that i think people that don't have a super like honed in beer palette that is maybe more familiar to them being that it's a little bit more fruity um less bready less malty certainly less hoppy Mm -hmm. um it, I think it just appeals to a different kind of folk. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Which stands to reason why so many breweries are brewing it to get people in the door exactly. and try their other stuff. I, I feel like wine drinkers are probably more prone to drink a sour. Mm. I feel like probably hard alcohol drinkers are more prone mm. to drink a sour. Cocktail, cocktail drinkers. Yes. Yeah. Because it's, it's more in that realm of things rather than a beautiful, malty, dark beer, which truthfully intimidates a lot of people that don't mm-hmm. know anything about beer yeah i think the beer in industry is big enough to bring in people that don't typically like beer so there is room for sours i'm not yeah. saying people should get rid of sours i'm just not gonna be l- looking to trade a 450 north can no <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not. I mean, you know how I feel about those beers too. So it's, yeah, uh, I I can't wrap my head around that style. Yeah, 
that that smoothie style. It's just a whole lot of no bueno for Rachel. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Rachel, thank you so much for coming on and talking about sours. Oh, yeah. Uh, Cheers. Cheers. the lovely hills of Tyrol. Oh, so I've, I'm almost done with my beer and I'm feeling really good. I knew this was going to be a different show, almost a special show. That's why I wanted a different beer. And I apologize that none of you can get this unless you were in the Arizona beer community in 2018. I'm going to grab this one and saved it for two and a half years. Well, shit. Oh, it's been longer than that, huh? Like three and a half years? October 2019. This is a damn good beer. This was aged very well. Nice and smooth, mellow, strong, malty. Got some toffee, got some coffee, some coffee, toffee, toffee, coffee. Man, this is a good beer. Love this beer. I'm super sad it's over, but I'm so glad I waited until now to have this beer. All right, so I'm going to rate my beer on untapped. I wonder if Goldwater even pays attention to their beers and if they do they they probably you know what they're probably like you know hop chow to this hop chow to that you know they get check-ins all the time but when it comes to the mcclellan we heavy they're gonna be like whoa someone just checked in and we haven't made that beer since 2018 not that they're gonna take notice or do anything about it but i just hope whoever runs there on tap just um just notes like wow People out there still drinking this beer, and they rated this very well. I'm going to give this one a 4.5. It's really good. I love it. As many of you know, I, I've never given a 5. Um, this one is up there. Uh, the Wee Heavy is not my favorite style, but this one's done very well, or it's aged very well. <laughs> I got to say, it's aged very well. It's so it's, like I said, it's about three and a half years and 14 months on top of that. So it's about four and a half years, almost four and three quarters of a year, maybe. Yeah, four and four and a half is good. Four and a half years uh, worth of aging on this beer, and that's about the uh, that's about the right time to enjoy one of these heavy beers. Four point five on Untapped. It has an overall rating of four point zero. One of our friends have checked in on it, and it was Hefe. He gave it a four point two five back in. 2018 December 7th so let's see here I'm gonna give it a 4.5 I'm gonna say it's smooth malty and rich it is definitely a rich heavy beer love this beer awesome Thanks for those of you who stuck it out this far. Sorcerer Chromatic will be back next week to give me uh, someone to talk to and uh, make the show more interesting. Uh, and I think it's more true. I have more fun when he's on the show. I've done like, well, you know, maybe two or three solo shows before. And I don't mind doing them, but I 
it's I miss him, man. I love he's my brother and I love him. So anytime I could do something with him, um, it just uh, it makes me feel it, it, it makes my week. But a couple things I want to get to before I sign off. Um, I don't know if any of you watch the Masters. I don't even know if any of you know I golf because I don't talk about it too much. I haven't done a lot of golfing since I've been on here, but I still love watching the Masters. And and this latest one wasn't as dramatic. I think the big story was Tiger was in it, and which is great. I didn't think he was going to do any well. Um, I just... Part of me wanted him to see him do well, and he did make the cut, but I, I had a feeling he, was, he wasn't going to last. It's like those athletes who they, they leave for a while, and it takes them a while for their body to get reacclimated to the, the grind. And I knew he was going to fall off eventually, and he had a great round one. His round two was okay, and then he just kind of fell off the wayside after that. Um, I didn't watch a lot of it until Sunday when I finally tuned in. It was hole number three when Scheffler... And um, Cam Cameron were on the uh, on hole number three, and uh, when I turned it on, Scheffler was in the uh, under the trees in the pine straw, and he had an incredible shot, uh, saving shot to get out of that. And then his next shot, his approach, he did a bump and run that was incredible because it ended up he basically he he chipped it in. Um, so, but he he didn't like it didn't chip and go in an arc and then fall right in the hole. He, he bumped it on the uh, the the rough in front of the green and then it landed on the green and rolled right in. And I knew right then he was going to win. <laughs> it was, And by the end, he had five strokes. And the funny part was at the end, he had five strokes to give. All he had to do was put it in. He was two feet away and he misses a putt. I had no big deal. But then he missed the putt again. I'm like, who the hell's playing? Scheffler or me? <laughs> or yours truly? Because <laughs> I've done that before. I think any amateur golfers out uh, out there knows that feeling. At least it wasn't like Dust Dustin Johnson. It was, I think it was 2018, the Open, Chap Open Championship, when he just had to sink like a two-foot putt to win. And he missed it. I was like, okay, another two-foot two foot putt to tie and go into playoff. And he missed it. And then he ended up losing with a bogey because he could not make the putt. Um, hey, but credit to him. He came back to next year and won the Open Championship. So um, it wasn't that. There was no drama at the end uh, of the Masters uh, because Scheffler had such a big lead. But he played so well throughout the whole tournament. So good for him. And uh, I think the uh, there was a couple great shots or yeah during the tournament. Um, Morikawa, both Morikawa and McElroy chipped it in from the sand. I, I want to say on 17 or 18, and they were both happy for it. I love that. I love that about golf. It's they're c competing against each other, but they just want to see good. They just want to see good golf. Yeah, you know, there's some personalities out there that might not, you know, they rub each other the wrong way. Uh, but uh, for the most part, everyone wants to see everyone do well. And and people who go there, they don't root against the golfer. They root to watch a good they, they 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 root they root to watch good golf so anyway masters a tradition like no other it is very very much my favorite golf tournament to watch not that any of them are any um less satisfactory for the winner but you know the masters that's like the granddaddy right and it's like the super bowl it's the world series it's stanley cup it's a kentucky derby it's for golf that's the pinnacle right there so good for scheffler and we'll see what happens next year.
So that does it for us this week. Thank you for downloading yet again another Cold Brew podcast. On behalf of myself and my brother Sorcerer Chromatic, we like to wish you cheers. Until next time. You can call me an asshole. I'm glad because I am whatever you say I am. If I wasn't, then why would I say I am? In the paper, the news, every day I am. Radio won't even play my jam because I am whatever you say I am. If I wasn't, then why would I say I am? In the paper, the news, every day I am. I don't know, it's just the way I am. <laughs>